If this life is driving you to drink, you sitting around wondering just what to think. Well, I got some consolation. I'll give it to you if I might. You know I don't worry about a thing, 'cause I know nothing's gonna be alright. Hello, I'm Ellie Mae O'Hagan. I'm Owen Peter Jones. Stop it! My middle name is very important. What's your middle name? Come on, Ellie. I don't even know what it is. I was named after the great film star Mae West, who uh, invented the phrase "Is that a pistol in your pocket, or are you just pleased to see me?" Oh, both. Okay. I um, mine's after my granddad. My first name, though, you'll like this because you're Welsh and that. But my first name, I'm after Owen Glendower, an anti-English rebel from the 15th century in Wales. I mean, he, Owen would, he would not approve of your uh, anti-Welsh bias, which I have picked up. This is Agitpod. Anyway, hello everyone. <laughs> Sorry, we got carried away. And this week we have a rather special guest. Come on, come on, Ellie, introduce her. Come on. Well, we're very excited. Big fan. Big fan of this guest, but also for a friend of ours who mm. we love dearly. Nepotism. So I'm eating frosties while we're doing this. Nepotism is what Owen said. Professional outfit here. So big welcome. Drum roll, please, for the comedian and activist Josie Long. Hello. Hello, it's my pleasure to be here. We are indeed friends. Why are you called, why are you called Josie, Josie Long? Um, so my mum wanted to name me and my sister, we're called Josie and Katie, she wanted to name us Rosie and Daisy. But her take on it is that my dad deemed these names not serious enough. So she named us Josephine, Isabel and Catherine Eleanor after collections of French and Spanish queens and emperors. But I don't know whether my mum's to be trusted on this, like... You know, I think Rosie and Daisy were never in the mix. <laughs> never. Um, Are you accusing your mother on a podcast, which she's been listening to people, of lying? I am, and I'm happy. She's like know. Theresa May, your mum, is that what you're saying? She's done a U-turn. <laughs> she's done U-turn after U-turn, and she's failing on her own terms. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hi. Anyway, so basically this podcast is trying to be all cheery about this cheerful little world. There's normally so much material and hopeful material for us to play with. But mm. Josie's quite hopeful. I think that's why it's good that we've got Josie on uh, in the run-up to the Electageddon. Yeah, I am taking a lot of positives from what's going on at the moment. I really, really am. And I think no matter what happens on June the 9th, unless it is electoral wipeout, and then I'll be like, oh, fair play, something went on I didn't understand, right? But what I would say is I don't think that that is going to be the outcome. I feel really buoyed by the change in direction and by all of the things that seem to be happening since the election was called. When the election was called, I was like, fuck. And in fact, as soon as it got announced, my first thing was I was tweeting, I was like, I wish that people in this country didn't love Theresa May, but they fucking love her so much. And this is gutting and we're totally outnumbered. How many fucks did you say that day? Oh, I said a million fucks, but that's normal for me. That's actually not that many. <laughs> but then I basically, I thought about it for an hour and something kicked in where I was like, fine, okay, game on, let's see. And I think with all of this, all we can do is try and fight now. And all we can do is be as hopeful, energetic and excited as possible now. We may well have to be sad on June the 9th, but there's no need for us to give up on June the 9th. And there's like, I basically read this book called Hope in the Dark by Rebecca Solnit. And it's a great book. Yeah, we might not get this dream manifesto right now at this election. 
But if after this election we give up and we surrender to the narrative that, oh God, it's 1993 again, no one wants these policies, blah, 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 what a failure. We are doing ourselves a disservice and we are doing all of these people who are behind them a disservice and we're doing like it, the future a disservice. Like a lot of people are only just learning how to fight and it takes a long time to learn how to organise and learn how to build things. And like, I just refuse to let, you know, the pace and the momentum and everything I, I feel like, you know, look at the polling about young people. We're going to come on to that. I was going to ask you that. If I was going to be, so, the demon of despair and you're the angel of hope with a sword of optimism. I can't wait for your final battle. <laughs> hey, yes. <laughs> and you're going to slay me. And I was going to go, well, you know, why can't we have good things? And then look at the polling and go, well, if we're flapping around in the ICC of... Misery, I've got to stop this. Um, but we jump on any, you know, poll where it's five points behind. That's our life raft. We just forget about the 14 points behind ones. Um, and we go, well, polling, even though they didn't have a correct idea, often overestimates Labour. Even if we got better polling than last time, lose a load of seats, those older people are going to come out and vote. Slay me, slay me, Josie, slay me now. Okay, well, what I want to say is the election hasn't happened yet. That's the big thing, right? It's not happened yet. If you're listening to this and you've been wavering or you feel despair or you feel even like you're like, well, I can't fully get behind Labour because blah, blah, blah. I would say a few things. Like, Firstly, I would say at the moment you have two options, right? You have two clear options. You've got an option which is basically everything you want for society with certain problematic elements, right, where you may be a little bit disappointed, or you've got a terrible government who are taking away your healthcare and your rights to education as a start, not to mention your human rights, not to mention all of their different acts of arrogance, hubris, destruction, right? That is your choice. Make a choice that is positive, right? And go for it. Secondly, like, I just would say, look at what has happened in this last month and a half. Before the general election was called, I genuinely felt a bit like, oh, God, oh, you know, how are we going to cope? I, everyone felt beaten down. And people don't feel like that anymore. And it's partly because they've delivered this manifesto that's absolutely brilliant, that nobody is criticising because nobody wants to criticise it because it's the sort of society we all want. And, like, don't forget that, like, you're allowed to hope for what you really want and you're allowed to fight for it and you're allowed to point in that direction. And, yeah, it would be miraculous if in the space of one month, one month and a half, we turn the entire fucking political tide in this country round. I get that, right? But... It's not an excuse to not do everything we can now. And anything we achieve is a goal, right? When that election was called, we were 20 points behind in all the fucking polls. And not just that, people would, you know, felt it was totally fine to slag off the Labour Party, slag off Corbyn, all this stuff. Look at what is happening time and time again in this election campaign, right? He's doing, like, he's surpassing people's expectations of him, right? The manifesto is brilliant. I'm going to say it again and again because it is brilliant. Um, not just that, like, people feel hopeful and people are changing their minds. Like, I hate that I'm sounding really, really fucking over-earnest, but you told me to sell this to you and I'm trying. Like, no, I'm, I, I, I'm moved. I'm I mean, like, I just want to go out and fight some toys. If yeah. I was the demon of despair, then everyone's yelling, stop, but stop, also, he's already dead. It's not, <laughs> it's not about fighting the Tories. It's not about this. Like, what it's about is about understanding that we are in this country, for better or for worse, unless we leave it, we're in this country and we're fucking stuck here and after Brexit with the far right hijacked an election and 
fuck with our political discourse and pushed it off a cliff, we suddenly have this big groundswell of movement, which is completely against the odds, and it's building and building and building. And yes, some of the polls are 12 points behind, but some of the polls are five points behind. And they weren't five points behind before this election. No. And when it comes down to it, every single poll we are gaining, right? And yes, we might still lose, but we will not have this wipeout that they're saying, I don't think we will. And... It's not the end on the ninth. It's the fucking start. Like, why is it that suddenly, if we lose an election, all our beliefs are invalidated or we all give up? No, man. If you've been politicised by this election, if you've been allowing yourself to hope for a better world, well, fucking keep it inside you. Like Rebecca Solnit says, allow yourself to be one small republic of unconquered spirit. This is how they've managed to win and this is how they're managing to have this lead. It's by this constant, there is no alternative. We're always going to win. We're the only sensible grown-ups. It's fucking bullshit. failures on every single term the conservatives but what we've got on our side is we've got positivity and excitement and humane values and i'm sorry like i refuse to give that up and i refuse to concede defeat and i also refuse to buy into their bullshit narratives about us because when it comes down to it what this election campaign has shown is that we have positive ideas that we are much more united than people have made out you know most people in the labor party have just been getting behind the leader and trying right there's been very very few people being pricks about it I just think if we give up, they win forever. If we let ourselves be cynical, they win forever. We have to keep learning from every defeat because that's all we've got and it will build. And also, like, never fucking forget that if it was down to people under 50, Labour would win. But I just want to share a few positive thoughts, Ooh. which won't be anywhere near as moving as Josie. Why is this no, like I'm a, just ranting. I'm no, sorry. This is no. like a therapy session. No, I'm no, yeah, I feel like, I feel like the Jurassic Park theme tune <laughs> right in the background. Well, please, please, please let me get what I want. Oh, we don't do more. Labour government. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No. No. My positive thoughts are like, I felt a lot of anxiety about having voted for Corbyn since he got elected because it's been like, quite a lot of fuck-ups. However, in this election camp, since the manifesto, it's like the first time that I've been like, do you know what, I'm glad I voted for him. No one else would have delivered that manifesto. I'm sorry they wouldn't have. And that's exactly why, because I feel like the Labour Party has been treading water for years and years and years. It has, it's like lost a sense of purpose. Its main figures just kind of conducted themselves like middle managers sent in to kind of manage the system and round off the edges a little bit yeah. and the manifesto it, it's like for the first time i feel like the labor party it, in years the labor party knows what it stands for and it has a reason to exist mm-hmm. another thing i've been feeling anxious about over the last year and a half is the fact that the fates of the broader left have been tied in so much with the fates of the labor party because so many people in the broader left kind of joined the labor party and joined that fight and now i'm like well kind of good because now we've all got a program that we haven't had for years and it's a really good program and you know like I went for canvassing for a bit under Ed Miliband and I didn't really talk about it publicly because it was just sort of something that I did out of a sense of duty whereas now I'm like I'm going canvassing you should all go canvassing yeah. because I'm, I actually yeah. want to vote. But, and we've got to come on to canvassing as well. But I mean, that's the th- I mean, it's funny. A few weeks ago, senior Labour MP came up to me and said, "This is partly your fault. You're partly responsible for the destruction of the Labour Party. All these Labour MPs are going to leave your seat, and you're one of the main people who's responsible." So yeah, they've. I mean, they did this privately. They castigate. They've castigated me a lot. And I, I have often had this demon of despair. But I have to say, look, if you think about this rationally, imagine Owen Smith had been elected leader of the Labour Party. He would have, he wanted not only overturn the EU referendum result, he also refused to rule out membership of the Euro and the Schengen Agreement. I am not sure that those UKIP to Tory defectors at the moment would have gone, do you know what, I'll vote for Labour this time. And equally, we wouldn't have had that inspiring uh, programme. And also, 
the, the thing about Jeremy, yeah, look, I know there are lots of people, I've met them, who have big problems with him. Um, but you do meet lots of people, almost uniquely, who think, who really, really like him. love him. So Owen Smith would have been, in that sense, the worst of all the worlds imaginable because you wouldn't have had any cheerleaders. You would have still had the UKIP to Tory collapse and you wouldn't have had an inspiring vision. So and you'd look at this. I mean, look, we don't know how they let. I mean, look, it could still go horribly wrong. But that is the I think that is a critical point. Also, my friend Dave, uh, Dave Wearing, who writes for The Guardian, he used, to, he used to say to me, uh, and this is something that I've always held on to in moments of despair. He used to say to me, as long as there is injustice in this world, there'll always be a left. <laughs> yeah. And like, and it, and I've always remembered that because I have moments of despair about the immediate moment, you know, whatever's, whatever's happening that particular time. But, you know, I don't ever worry about the left going away because I think, well, as long as there's injustice, there'll always be people fighting against it and I will always have people to fight with. And, and you know, if you look, f- uh, I, I think... There's a few things to say about this because, like, if you look for a fight, there will always be a fight. But if you look for friends, you will always find friends. And what I mean by this is, like, the positivity of that, the fact that you want to fight against injustice because you care about people and you want the world to be better and you want people's lives to be better. That is what is on our side forever. Like, and the reverse is conservatives wanting to make money for themselves to preserve their powers and to preserve their privilege. They're never going to be on this side that comes from good traits, to my mind. Or maybe that's too simplistic. Ever since Corbyn even ran in the leadership contest, people were saying, basically, how dare you, don't do it, shut up. You shouldn't be doing this, you're ruining the Labour Party. The reaction to it has been so negative. And what it's always failed to acknowledge is, why do people want this? What are people doing this for? And, like, why are people doing this? And I think the reasons that a lot of people were behind him in the first place and are getting excited now are positive reasons. You know, they're reasons because people are like, finally, somebody's talking about a fairer society for all of us. Finally, like, we've got something to get behind. And I think, like, harnessing that positive in the future as opposed to, like, castigating it as a negative and saying, you've ruined the Labour Party is probably a better strategy as well. Can I ask then, right, does this... I love a good graph. Do you like graphs? I bloody love a graph. I sleep with one. Yeah, I'd, I'd <laughs> They're give... They're very calming. It's like fish. Yeah. I'd give this graph a good old seeing too. No, it's, so it's the latest ICM poll. And what <laughs> I don't I like sh- those graphs. <laughs> no, but it showed again another slight shift to Labour. The Tory leader has fallen by two. ICM are the ones which give a bigger lead to the Tories than a lot of the other polls do. But anyway, right. This is a critical... I find this unbelievable. And what, I think we should start with the younger generation then again go on to their pensioners. Right, so... Amongst 18 to 24-year-olds, Labour are on 73%. That's not bad, is it? It's all right, isn't it? The Tories are on 15%. Amongst those over 65, Labour are on 20%, and the Tories are on 64%. Now, let's kick off, because that 18 to 24-year-old thing is not inevitable, because in 1983... the Tories had a nine-point lead amongst 18 to 24-year-olds. So what we're looking at Whoa! Here, in 1983, yeah. the Tories had a lead amongst young people. Yeah, they did, yeah. This is the problem with 1983 as a cautionary tale. One, people our age don't know about it. And two, people use it to shut down all the debate and to shut you off and say you're stupid and you don't know anything and you've got no chance. Hmm. But, but that is mad, isn't it? So mad. what do you think? Why? You do a lot of the kind of go out, get Ute those stuff. young guns, the, yeah. the Utes. What else do we call them? The youth. The youth. Those whippersnappers, ne'er dwells. That's rude. That's derogatory. The hope of the future. <laughs> that's it. Um, right. So don't, don't feel patronised if you're in that age group. No. But do you know what? I, but what? why is it? Come on. Why do you think? Because you do all this 
getting the young to engage with politics. That, that's not much for dad. Partly because <laughs> they are almost guaranteed a radically different experience of life than their grandparents, especially. Like, you know, look at the differences. Look at the fact that in the 60s and 70s, people were able to buy houses easily. They got free university education. They had, you know, far more secure job markets. They had all kinds of privileges that have not been afforded to their grandchildren you know people are rankled by student debt i know that certain journalists like to go the thing is loans are actually for middle class they're actually really good i'm sorry no i that is not an argument which holds water to me i at best it's using certain recent upswing in people um applying to university to our own ends to justify sky high fees and terrible debts that don't add up that leave a black hole that are bad for all of us right but on the whole Younger people are facing a lot of, like, generational unfairness and bullshit. So, of course, they're going to go for this more humane, more fair, more hopeful policy. Also, I would say, like, I think they just have different societal attitudes. I think younger people, you know, aren't anti-immigration in the way that maybe some older people are. Like, I don't know, and I hate stigmatising older people. And what I've definitely found is, if on Twitter you mention anything about certain older people who may vote Tory, the people who don't and who are on Twitter and who are trying really hard are so angry about it. And they're like, how dare you? Me and my friends. And what I would say, and what I would say is, one, fair enough. I know that you guys have been at it for 40 bloody years yeah. and it's been very hard. And But number two, is there any way that if you are an older person with the same sort of politics as younger people could you please go out to whatever you guys like doing your painting classes <laughs> yeah <laughs> university of the third age your pottery they love the that. already <laughs> tiny label is now collapsing no no seriously. they might be no they might be listening to this being like she's right i love yeah. pottery no i love a good I, old paint <laughs> I, I think it's harsh because like i don't think we should further try and divide ourselves as a society and i think that people on the left who are that bit older must be really struggling if they look at the poll numbers thinking oh my god but what i would say is is there any way you could help us with an in like yeah. maybe we could come and talk to your women's institute and beg them like i think it's definitely like like i'm saying we've like we've got eight days left i think it pays for all of us to try to have conversations with everyone we know and to ask people that we know to have conversations about it and just to try and put our case across ring like, your you grand folk that was a, a yeah. of this video campaign for people to ring up have a chat it's nice anyway if you're not chatting to your grandparents you're a terrible human being mm -hmm. but you should and then you know say look what the Tories are proposing dementia tax attack on winter fuel uh, allowance triple lock getting rid of that yeah getting rid of the triple yeah. lock yeah. And, and Labour's vision and also to get them to vote for your future come on ring and them now another, after the podcast another thing I think um, yeah please listen to the end of this podcast we really could use the view, the listening figures yes um, we need we need that sweet number one spot on <laughs> iTunes news and politics we, section. Only, we got to number three of all podcasts bloody hell in Britain Thank oh my god I didn't realise this was this listen to. Please, don't sue me. I'm a, I just want you all to know I'm an idiot. I know it. Thank you. I appreciate it. I receive the messages online. <laughs> Can I just say how touching it is that you like wanted to do our podcast with no listeners? <laughs> That's oh, so nice. You, Even though we're um, losers. I think another thing is, right, if, you, if you're 24 now, this will make all of us three feel old. If you're 24 now, that means that when the financial crisis happened... You were 14. If you're 18 now, you were 10 when that happens. Yeah. Happened. So I think that what that means is people in that age bracket who like uh, support Labour overwhelmingly have known nothing but crisis politics. Yeah. 
They've known nothing. And they don't but... want it. They didn't want Brexit. They don't want this heightened fucking bullshit. Yeah, and I just think it, it's like it's almost like the kind of a valve releasing. Like they're tired of living in this society that's like constantly telling them we're in crisis. Things are really tense. Things are really difficult. You can't have what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to like make do. You have to make sacrifices. And I think, you know, they look around at like people, like the super rich in, in this country, like Richard Branson on his yacht all the time. Mm-hmm. And like, and then they're just like, well, that doesn't make, this doesn't add up to me. Like, well, if we think okay. what older, what younger people have gone through, so we had the scrapping of the educational maintenance allowance, tiny amount of money just to get, you know, people who wanted to aspire to an education to stay on. But it made all the difference yeah, to people. Huge. Uh, the trebling of tuition fees. Youth services, often the first to be cut. Removal of grants. Housing crisis, mm. which disproportionately affects the young. Benefit removal, cuts. Yeah, removal of housing benefits. Like, it's uh, been a... Discriminatory ben- minimum wage. Yeah, the waged war. Living standards. Yeah. Zero hours. But also, like, I think you're right, like... And this is what brings me down to, like, why I think I have the politics that I do. It's because I, like... I mean, I was trying to say this in my show. I want better for all of us. And I believe that as a society, we are capable of a more humane way of doing this. Like, one of the reasons, for example, in 2015, I was so fucking upset when the Conservatives got in again. That was a bummer, wasn't it? It was the worst. Yeah, that was pretty Partly because you know that it's life or death for some people in our society. You know how cruel it is. But also... All of this austerity, it's based on a fucking lie, but also it's such a waste. That's what breaks my heart, is the squandering of all the potential, the talent, the intelligence we have in this country. The fact that most people in this country are denied opportunities, despite the fact that they're smarter and better and brighter and have all of this potential to give, and they're being snubbed out by the system that we currently have. And I think that's why people are getting behind Labour, because they're like yeah, I have got more to offer than this. And yeah, I do want to be educated because I want an educated society. And yes, I do want a society even where we're allowed to even consider the fact that people might be interested in art or education or grassroots football. Like they want all of the beautiful things. It's fucking bread and roses, isn't it? You yeah. want all of the beautiful what things What does bread and roses well. explain it to people? Um, it, it sort of links in with that, you know, if there's no dancing, I don't want a revolution. Yeah. It's this idea that like, you're not just living to survive and it shouldn't just be down to this fight. It should be all of the beautiful parts of life as well and that we are all deserving that dignity. We are give all... us not just bread, but give us roses. Yeah, we like, they sing that in pride, don't they? Yeah. Oh my God, it's I cry. I cry. Well, I mean, I cry at every bit of that film. I cried in that yeah, if you haven't seen Pride, please do watch it. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I also think there's something almost apolitical about young people voting for Labour. In like, so I'll give an example of what I mean by that. I I live in London, as we all do, in on this podcast, and um, and I pay like nearly half of my monthly income on rent. Yeah. And the the possibility of me buying a house is just I mean it's just not going to happen ever. And I just don't I, I don't envisage a time when I'll be able to do that. And even though I'm a political commentator, there is like my attitude towards the housing crisis in London is actually quite apolitical. I'm just like, I don't believe you when you say yeah. that the housing crisis can't be solved. And this is the only way that we can manage like the economy in London. I just don't believe it you. has to be solved. So fucking yeah, yeah, sort it out. yeah, exactly. I just feel like just fucking do it. I don't care what you do. Just mm-hmm. sort it out. Like this is ridiculous. And I think there is an element of that for young people who are like, I might have to move in back in with my parents. I can't get on the I can't get a proper job. Like, I'm being paid shit. I'm, I, don't, I won't have a pension. I won't have a stable career. I'm insulted and demonised in the press. Yeah. And they're just like, they're just like, just fix it. I, I just don't believe that this is the only way that we can live. I think that's another thing that, that it, is. But the, I think one well, big obstacle, though, when I go to schools in sixth school, still look like the youngest person there. No, but when I go, <laughs> and young people are so political. They have hopes and dreams, aspirations, and 
and, and insecurities and, and they really care about issues and causes and they're aware of their future is pretty tricky but they don't connect their everyday problems to formal politics often and mm. um, it seems really abstract and you know just not it's, you might as well talk about archaeology I and mean, there's a great charity so inspiring who I work with called Reclaim in Manchester oh yeah I've, I've followed them so, they seem amazing and what they do is they get together young working class people from the estates particularly in Manchester uh, and Stockport where I'm from and they kind of give them confidence and leadership ability and you know to talk about politics on their own terms and their draw their own manifestos so we need stuff like that don't we yeah, it's the same with arts emergency it's explain it come on arts emergency oh come on plug, arts emergency is an organization away. designed to support young people in pursuing creative lives and and studying uh, arts and humanities and it does it to try and give opportunities to people who don't come from privilege to pursue these things which are becoming increasingly rarefied and difficult and the reason we do it is because what we want for our culture is a broad selection of voices and we we don't want it just to be the children of the wealthy that get to end up making our culture and influencing our lives and also we just believe that education and art is for everyone and again we believe that like talent and intelligence is being um, suppressed and not supported by you know the current uh, system and so we're trying to level the playing field a little bit and provide as much support as we can to people and there's also there's that brilliant magazine Rife magazine in uh, Bristol doing a similar thing but this is another thing like don't despair if our team don't win now look to the fact that there's people everywhere who are friends and you know remember the fact that there was the gagging law passed which means that most charities who have research that backs you know, which I would say, again, it's apolitical. It's just factual research that shows that what the Conservatives are doing is making all of our lives more difficult. They can't speak about it in this election because of the gagging law. You know, I even, do you know what? The Electoral Commission rang me to investigate under the terms of the so-called lobbying act, the gagging law, um, to make sure I wasn't breaking it and violating it by doing all my campaign days. What, who, what charity do you work for? No, I don't work for charity, but it applies to individuals as well. I mean, it's ridiculous because it's obviously I travel a lot at my own expense. I travel doing my, you know, obviously I pay for my train, well, not obviously, but I pay for my train tickets. And the people who turn up pay for their own train tickets if they're coming from elsewhere. But they were trying to work out, are they, are they being paid? or? You know, oh, yeah, God. it's ridiculous. Yeah. Totally ridiculous. Canvassing, can I ask about this? And both of you, I went canvassing with um, Ellie in Norwich. Um, for Clive Lewis in yeah. on Saturday, and I was up in Ealing on Sunday for Rupert Hock. Um, I'm, I'm in Butt- Battersea on Thursday for someone called Marsha, uh, who's a fantastic local council and all the rest of it. But right, both of you, just fling this over, because a lot of people don't know, you've seen this, find canvassing quite, like, they yeah, want to... Intimidating. Fa- ca- yeah, they want to campaign for Labour, but it seems like, what, knocking on a stranger's door? Yeah, I took my partner canvassing, and it was his his first time... Uh, Do you remember the first time? <laughs> I don't remember. This the, is like the kind called... of romantic things that you get into in political <laughs> yeah. yeah, that sort of. Remember our first time, darling. Yeah, it, was, um, it was pretty erotic, wasn't it? It was saying? hot. It was a hot. It was literally hot. It was very hot. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we and yeah, he was quite nervous at first, and like we, you know, we would take. Uh, we sort of did it in pairs at first, and I would sort of go with him, and then and then after a while, kind of you know, like let him go on his own. And so, like, at first it is, like, intimidating because it means going to people and interrupting their free time and kind of talking to them about politics. And, like, that can be quite intimidating. But actually, like, I think I would really encourage everybody to do it just as a personal growth mm. thing. If you, if, it's if, easy, if, even if you're not, easy. Even if you don't want to do it for the Labour Party, you should do it as an experience for yourself. Because yeah. 
You get to meet like a broad range of people. Oh yeah, you never see more of a cross section of society than just on one like yeah. London street. It's people that you'd never normally meet in your everyday life. And then like, and it actually feels like quite a humbling experience because, you know, they, they give you like 10 minutes of their time and they tell you things that are sometimes like quite intimate. Like, um, I remember a guy that I met last time I was canvassing told me about one of his concerns was um, mental health because he'd, he'd had mental health issues and he'd really struggled mm. to kind of get support for it. And that was one thing that he was worried about. And, you know, it was really, like, I felt quite honoured that he would, you know, share such personal details about his life. And then they'll, they'll talk to you about their political opinions and they'll talk to you about their fears and concerns for the future. And it's like, just for 10 minutes, you get like a little window into that person's life and, and how they think about politics. And if you're interested in politics, that's really useful. But it also feels like quite an honour and quite a, an enriching experience. And, and that is what I really like about canvassing. And I find like... You know, I've even had, I've sort of turned up with a big Labour sticker on to Tory voters' houses, and even they're, like, quite nice. And I actually convinced one guy to go from Tory to don't know. <laughs> so people are, like, open to listening to you, and they want to chat yeah. to you. And, and, like, and Just so people know, because I think it's critical, this, it's so not intimidating when you do it. As right, soon as you yeah. knock on your first door, most people are kind of perfectly nice. If they don't want to speak to you, they just go, don't want to speak. And you're always paired up with someone who's experienced, just so you know. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Like, yeah, you know how to have conversations with people. And you can do it. Like, and also, what I'd also say is, if you suffer from really bad social anxiety and you don't want to do it, don't feel guilty about that. That's fair enough. Like, you don't have to... Not everyone has to do everything. Don't f- beat yourself up if you can't do this one thing. But at the same time, if it feels a bit intimidating... You guys, Stop that. They've got to do it. Kicking and screaming whether they like it or not. No, I think yeah. it's really worth doing for the same reason. And, like, also... It does give you a good idea of what different people than you think you're feeling and you get all this talk of bubbles, which I don't think is that helpful or useful because believe me, I know what people who disagree with me are thinking and saying because I have all of our media. So I understand. You know, it's known as the entire British press. Well, and also I travel so much for gigs. So I do meet people all around the country who have completely different views to me. And, you know, I get it. But at the same time, it is also really useful just to talk to people and be like, right, I see where you're coming from. I understand what you're saying. It's, It's respectful and it's useful. And the reason it's so useful, because people always go, well, what's the point now, is that particularly, look, the press, as we know, is against Labour, and there's this big grassroots army. With that, We've got the people on our side, uh, in terms of people on the ground, that is, in terms of members of the Labour Party, um, rather than having the press on our side. But the reason it's so critical is you, we work out where the Labour voters are so we can get them to come out and vote on voting day, and where people are a bit like, oh, I'm not so sure... Then the local MP or local candidate, the local Labour candidate, can go up and find, you know, you give them all those people to speak to. So, honestly, it makes such a difference and it could help swing seats, you know. And another thing that I would say, another reason why it's really good to do is, um, like, if... If you go to a political rally, and I've been to thousands of political rallies in my time, and I find... your rallies. I actually, I sort of go, I have a sense of obligation... Usually because you're speaking. <laughs> and um, and I find them, with the noble exception of a rally I went to after Trump's inauguration, which was brilliant, um, I actually find political rallies really boring and I kind of hate going to them. But the reason I like canvassing and the reason I would always prefer to do that is because it feels like a form of direct action because you really feel like by the end of the day, you feel like you've really done something. You feel like you've really contributed something. 
And you can help people with genuine issues and concerns. Like, if you're out with counsellors, they can yeah. try and sort them out for yeah, you. Yeah, like, I remember um, I went for um, canvassing with you, actually, Josie, yeah. um, in Tooting, and I was there with a local counsellor. And um, a man who was in social housing, when I knocked on his door, he was a bit sceptical about the Labour Party because he said that he hadn't had his grass cut in his lawn and it had been really sort of upsetting him. So I called the local councillor who was with us and he came over and just sort of sorted it out. And I felt really, really pleased. I thought, well, I've been part of something there where like someone's having a difficult time over something, you know, that's quite easy to fix and, it, and it's been fixed. And that's quite a nice thing to have happened today. And actually it even made me think, God, maybe I want to be a councillor because <laughs> just the idea of being able to have to the power. Yeah, yeah, to like actually help people was like really, really nice. So to wrap, because Josie, you've got to go soon for a start. You've I'm got, going door knocking. Yeah. <laughs> that's what gonna, I'm doing. She's, she's going to knock the out of those doors. You're going to have a good old knocking, that's I'm, for sure. Basically, I'm trying as hard as I can and that's all we can do and it's what we should do over the next little while but I'd also say is on June the 9th if things don't go our way or if things are much worse than expected don't give up don't decide that your opinions aren't worth anything and also like take a lot of I take a lot of solace and courage and inspiration from activists who don't even most of the time participate in um, parliamentary politics who just get shit done and they get shit done for humanity. Like, I think a lot about, like, Movement for Justice who are, like, the most incredible inspirational people. Sisters Uncut who just occupied uh, Holloway Prison. Like, so many groups. UK Uncut who put tax justice on the agenda. Damn straight. Yeah, and then No Dash for Gas who are up in Blackpool at the moment trying to stop fracking happening. Yeah, and they put themselves on the line and they're waiting for you to join in. Like, so don't feel despair. Join in with local campaigns. Can I plug another one? Yeah. The cleaners at LSE, and I've been very proud to stand with them. They're on strike at the moment. Yeah. Uh, Well, they've been doing rolling strikes because LSE refused to give them the same term and conditions as in-house workers sick pay for example maternity pay so yeah damn you LSE yeah I think what's important to remember when you're on the left every time there's a defeat it's important to remember you know we're all still here we're all still we all still believe the same stuff and you know and if you're knackered other people won't be and if you're feeling hopeless there'll be people who are hopeful and we all support each other at different times and the main thing is just don't give up like with Arts Emergency we say allow yourself to believe a better future is possible and say it out loud defiantly to everyone and then say optimism is a weapon and if all else fails be silly unfortunately I am too earnest to be silly at the moment (laughs) but like yeah totally like sorry I got overexcited and talked over you guys but we just keep trying. So on that bombshell, um, I hope that's cheers you all up. I'd like to think this was, you know, a little kind of hug for you more than a podcast. Yeah. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, oh. Run a bubble bath. Yeah. And uh, put some lights yeah. candles. Yeah, lather your naked well, body actually... up. Lather your naked body up. <laughs> <laughs> actually, that was the only reason we did the podcast, wasn't it? We, we, we were sort of like segueing into a sort of erotic <laughs> podcast. We're hoping that no one will know it if we do it really incrementally. Left wing swingers. Um, <laughs> So that put left swingers. Oh, I should have called it that. It's left the magic swing. pod. Yeah. Moments past. Series two. Yeah, that'll be I it. I just want you to know I'm, I would not like to be involved. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, um, so go out and fight for justice and campaign and knock on doors. And let's turn this around, everyone. Com, com babes. Look, cheers, Josie. You're an absolute superstar. Bloody love you. Yeah, oh, guys, there's a reason thanks. why I go see all of your shows at least three times, other than the fact that oh, I get free tickets. Yeah. <laughs> More nepotism. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to Agit Pod. Have a lovely period of time in which we next speak to you. Which will be very soon. Bye. Bye. But I don't worry about a thing, because I know nothing's going to be all right.